Today, we are talking to Kit Colbert, the CTO of VMware's cloud platform, and we discuss the difference between invention and innovation, changing your mindset when you transition from engineer to leader, and when it's okay to take on technical debt. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So where are you calling in from? Uh, from Palo Alto. Oh, very cool. So uh, VMware headquarters here in Palo Alto. Have you been there a while? I've been at VMware for about 15 years. Yeah, it's a long time, especially in Silicon Valley. Yeah, you have a, they tend to retain their people because I've seen in your uh, history that you've kind of climbed up the ranks there. Yeah. 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 How'd you start? Well, I started off as an intern, actually, um, when I was in college. That was back in the summer of 2002. And then um, uh, came back full time uh, September two thousand three. So you know, a few more months it'll be my fifteen year anniversary here. And yeah, I've just done a bunch of different stuff across different parts of the company. So it's been a, it's been a pretty fun pretty fun ride. How do they raise you up and move you around there? Like, do they have some sort of system, or is it just you? They post jobs internally, you get to apply, move around. Like, how do they retain and pull yeah. up their people? Um, I mean, a bit a bit of both. Like for my for me personally, it's been just a lot of identifying opportunities that, that looked interesting and kind of jumping over. So I've, I've helped to create, I mean, except for my first or maybe, yeah, well, yeah, my, my pretty much all the, the roles I've had have been kind of created by me um, just because like these are things we needs to go do. And so kind of starting off efforts. So like <clears throat> doing some performance management software back in 2007, I think, or eight, seven, seven, anyway. And then um, driving a lot of our end user computing things and, and pushing the mobility and then uh, doing a bunch of cloud native stuff. So yeah, it's just been kind of all over the place. So you just get buy-in from people to do a specific project and then you make that your role? Yeah. yeah That's awesome. Wonderful. You're yeah. smart. That's smart. That's yeah. what people do. You, yeah. you identify something you'd like to do. You find the people that could make it happen. You get in a room with them yeah. and you pitch your value and they say yeah let's do it yeah yeah it's not i mean yeah that's, that's a good summary although it, the reality is never quite that clean but, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're preaching principles and like concepts exactly exactly <laughs> you get to struggle through the reality yeah what were some of the struggles like that came up when when doing that like that come to mind um so i think um and by the way, are we starting or how does this, this work? This, this is the podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we, we, we edit it. So like, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, we just kind of hang out and just talk about stuff and. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, so I wasn't sure if we were like bantering. Before right. The thing, you know, I get actually, that. I kind of like it. We've had so many, everyone's, uh, I'd say one out of 10 guests says you should really tell people before you start. And I'm like, I like watching them figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've been on other podcasts, and what they'll do is they'll banter with me, and then we'll have our you know call, and then like I'm 12 minutes into the banter, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna get ready to start." I'm like, "This was the best part." Yeah, and, I know. and then they do, yeah. "All right, today we've got on the show so and so and so and so," and like they build this big thing up, and then they're like, "How do you do everything?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I don't know." Yeah. Uh, well, to get back to your question, yeah. So, 
So it's been an interesting uh, learning experience for me, I think. So there's one technology that I'll give an example on. So there's a technology called Storage Remotion that VMware released probably back in 2009, 2010. It's been a little while, but um, maybe 2009. I don't know. It's all a blur. Someone can look it up. I mean, (laughs) we'll have the the research team handle it. Yeah, some (laughs) some will Google it or something. Anyways, point being, that uh, at the time I worked on a technology called vMotion, which is a really core technology for VMware, and I was I was the tech lead for it. And what vMotion does is allows you to move a virtual machine between two physical hosts without any downtime or disruption. So it was really really powerful because it basically disconnected a workload from the underlying physical host and allowed you to move that workload uh, away, so you could do maintenance on the host or whatever. Right. So really powerful technology. But one of the problems was that. <clears throat> Even though you can change the computer, the server that the VM was running on, the VM was still tied to its storage, right? It assumed kind of this common backend storage between the two hosts. And so if you want to change the storage the VM was running on, you had to power off the VM. And so that was obviously a pain for customers. And so there, you know, we kind of came up with this idea of, hey, can we actually move the storage the VM's running on um, without needing the VM to take any downtime disruption or any of that sort of thing. So that, that's what the, the concept of storage motion. And um, interestingly, I noticed at the time that it was very, actually not that hard to do from a technical perspective. Uh, I could write most of the code and get some other people to uh, chip in here and there. And then we just needed some folks to test it. So from a technical perspective, getting this new feature uh, out was not that challenging. What ended up happening, though, was that in order to do all the testing we needed, we needed some dedicated resources. And as you know, you know, or anyone that's worked in software anywhere knows, like challenging to get these resources, right? So you had to convince someone to essentially give up on something else or stop doing something else to fund whatever your project is. And so um, as I was going about trying to get this done, it took me longer, I think, to get took me longer to get the funding for these resources than it did to actually write all the code for the project. And um, what I what I realized was that you know there, there's this element around you know how you kind of sell your vision, how, how you get buy-in from someone. It's you know selling an idea to someone internally to get funding for a project. It's not fundamentally different from you know selling the product itself to a customer, right? You got to right. get buy-in, you get people on board, and then that process itself is as important, or in some ways more important than than the actual product, right? Because it's like if you don't, if you're not able to get that buy-in, if you can't get other people to see your vision, then you're not going to be successful because uh, you can't right. get funded or you can't get it realized. And I think that the lesson I took away from that is this kind of important distinction between invention and innovation. Like we tend to think that invention and innovation are the same thing, that we use the terms interchangeably. But what I realized is that invention is really uh, all about creation. It's about something new or maybe a new use for an existing thing. Whereas innovation was really about impact. And so like I had, I had invented this technology, right? And the coding was all that challenging. But in order to really innovate, I had to get it out to customers. And how could I do that? Well, I needed people to test it. I needed people to document it. I needed people to support it. I needed the sales guys to go sell it, and marketers to market it, and all this sort of stuff. So there's this whole sort of sequence of events. that, And that was kind of what the hard part was, is getting funding for all those things, right? I had to go convince someone to do that. And so there's like the invention, which is the creation of this thing. But the innovation was actually getting the, the VMware pipeline spun up to support that invention going out. And eventually was able to, and we got it out to customers, and, you know, hundreds or thousands of people now, tens of thousands of people are, are using it today. Um, so, yeah, I know. So it's pretty So it's pretty cool. But I think that lesson for me was like really, really important. It's like, look, the technology is 
just at its core, only part of it, right? There's this whole other aspect that, that gets you to innovation. So what, when you saw this, obviously, so something came up at some point in time, you're moving the VM between hosts and that was fine, but then you needed to power it off for storage. So that was kind of like the hook. And then yep. I'm assuming enough people mentioned they needed this so that you could stand behind it and believe it. You weren't just like, you know, it would be cool. You weren't like sitting around Friday night you're like, you know, it'd be cool if it would do this. And then you didn't talk yeah. to anybody and you tried to do it. Like you went out and people validated it before you even tried to sell it. We, we did do some validation. Now, again, this is, you know, it's much younger, much more inexperienced. I was an engineer. It wasn't like a product guy. So I didn't really understand, you know, all the sort of steps you need to take to, to really validate a product idea and to, and to get that sort of feedback. But, you know, once we had the idea, you know, um, I did want to obviously get feedback from customers. And so as at, um, we have this conference called VMworld, which takes place in August, September, most years. And so this is back in, again, 2007-ish timeframe. So I remember, um, maybe in 2006 at this point, uh, but I remember talking with many customers and, you know, getting overwhelmingly positive feedback. And, um, and uh, so in my mind, it's like, clear, okay, let's go do this. But, you know, but, but, you know, having that data itself was useful, but then it's like, the challenge is you got to display something else. And so how do you argue that this one new thing, uh, which is still somewhat embryonic in the sense that we didn't have, um, you know, let's say, for instance, potential revenue numbers, or how would it help you know, the company from a revenue standpoint, I, I don't know. It seems like a useful thing to do. I don't know how it's going to help from monetary standpoint. That's a good question, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like that sort of trend. So what actually what happened is I found a product management person who, you know, got, got it, so totally believed in it, saw the value of it, kind of just the intrinsic value of the idea. And again, you know, he had heard from customers as well, but he just saw it kind of the, the bigger picture around it. So it was him that really helped to formalize some of that stuff and bring the case up to a VP at the time who then was able to say, okay, we'll, we'll put this thing into re release and we'll deprioritize these other things to, to fund that, right? So yeah, so it, it took you know a couple of steps to get there. Did you come up with the name? <laughs> um, no, no, I'm not a name guy. I'm, a, I'm an engineer by trade. So that was a, um, we, have, we have a whole naming committee that, that focuses on A that committee? Stuff. Yeah, no, it's very, uh, sounds very formal, but it does. They're very nice. So. Okay, so they're great people. Yeah. yeah. We won't let the label hold back that they're just off. Like, we'll call them a collection of awesome people. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to know, so the name we came, so, you know, we had vMotion, yeah. which moves, you know, VMs compute. And so the, the original internal name was something around like disk motion, like you're moving the disks yeah. of the thing. So we called it D motion. So we have vMotion and D motion, but obviously. Demotion has kind of a negative. Yeah, yeah. You want to sell demotion? Yeah, no. <laughs> so again, that's why they don't let engineers name things because yeah. not a good situation. They just have a bunch of scientific names. Hey, mm -hmm. real quick, could you? Um, I love having Slack as a special guest. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. we'll turn it off. We'll just like, yeah. can you snooze? Is there? By the way, does Slack have a global snooze? I don't know. Actually, you know what? Oh yeah, I quit. Uh, I turned off Outlook too. So that was the other one. Outlook also like bongs and makes all sorts of noise. I think most of my other apps are dead. Anyway, well, I, I killed all my apps. Oh, so. that's cool. Well, this is a good topic of conversation. How do you feel about the rise of notifications? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
You know, I do have this more general thing of like, cause like, yeah, I, I don't love all the, all the notifications. It's uh, becomes, it's, it makes it too interrupt driven. You know what I mean? Yes. One of the important things that I re- really try to do. So I do a, just a bunch of stuff day to day as, as in my role as a CTO, I kind of touch a lot of engineering, a lot of strategy, a lot of product management, some marketing stuff, some outbound customer stuff. So I'm kind of all over the place, but I think one of the biggest values of my role for the company is really around looking at uh, you know what's coming down the pike in terms of industry trends. How's VMware positioned for those? What are we doing to capitalize on that to help our customers? And uh, is there something that we're missing? Right. So a lot of what I try to do is just actually get time away from the computer just to be you know just to think. And maybe maybe still have the computer like researching like googling stuff, but I don't want to be you know, someone on Slack hitting me or emails hitting me. I want to turn on, so I, try, I actually turn that stuff off a lot just because just having some quiet time is amazing. Just to like let the mind percolate. You it's, know? We're like the frogs in the boiling water with notifications. We're all like, oh, that's cool. But then mm-hmm. like over the past three years, now we're just like dead because yeah. we're, we're in a state where we don't do what we want to do. We're, res- we're constantly responding to notifications. So yeah. when I started the podcast, um, like last year, I had to learn how to use do not disturb so my phone doesn't go off during the calls. Yeah. And in the act of having to learn that, sometimes like I accidentally left it on do not disturb. And I was like, this has been such a great day. Like what, what is about that? Like I haven't been, I've gotten, I've gotten like six things done. Like this is a, like I've made more progress than ever. And then I look at my phone, it's like 30 missed calls. I'm like, oh man that's why and but you know what it sticks i almost exclusively have my phone on do not disturb and when i'm ready to handle with what the world's giving me i go back and check it and respond that way i live life on on my time that's a great idea maybe i should try that i should practice that just turning things off because you're right it's actually kind of stressful getting all these notifications i was talking about that yesterday because i got an apple watch and so you know it like vibrates and now it's trained me to like look at it you know whenever i feel the vibration yeah so it's kind of that's kind of an anti-pattern. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. In some limited cases, it's cool, but otherwise, it's just kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, you should get the Pavlov like shock bracelet. Have you seen that? Exactly. And then you should API them so you get the buzz over here, and then it shocks you over here, so you start to hate <laughs> notifications. <laughs> it's like a psychosis that would happen pretty quickly. Yeah, I think. That you could give a talk called "Hating Apple Watch." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did this myself, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just not the same. <laughs> no. So how many how many direct reports do you have? Like how many people do you directly engage with? Um, number of like direct reports is pretty small, just a small handful. But the, the way we're structured, so we kind of have like the small CTO office that is directly under me. But then um, within our business unit, which I'm the CTO of, we have about you know thirteen hundred people, fourteen hundred people. And so there are, I don't know, like 10 or so, what we call our principal engineers, kind of like the most senior level folks. Mm-hmm. So I engage with them quite a bit, as well as uh, the next level down of senior staff engineers. So there's you know, a, a good number of people on the engineering side I work very closely with. But as I said, you know, a lot of our product managers, I work closely with some folks from marketing. So touching you know, a lot of different people. Do you have Pretty any, um, have you read this book? pragmatic programmer i don't think so yeah. oh man it is good is it good oh yeah dave thomas andrew hunt it is like okay. it is uh it is phenomenal that's awesome yeah i've been a big fan of it for a long time the uh subtitle kind of says from 
journeyman to master. Yeah. Yeah. From journeyman to master. That's and awesome. it, it's just like, you know how some books are bloated and it's just like you could read the summary paragraph yeah, and you get the totally. whole chapter. No, this is gold page by page. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's rare when I found these types of books that got recommended through friends. But I prefer the books that are more condensed. I don't want fluff. I just like give me something yeah. good. Yeah. I do, it's a, yeah. I do notice some of these books. They're like um, they just tend to repeat themselves a lot. You're like, dude, yep. you already made that point. Like cut off yep. 100 pages. And let's, let's get done with it. Yeah, it's funny. So I, I have my book out and it was the first book I've ever written. And so yeah, I, thank you. It did very well. So I, um, I put it out there and I tested it through like putting some of the content as blog posts and then running ads against it to see what people would say in response to it. And then, yeah. I, and then I improved it and edited it and then put it into a book and then moved it on. But it's interesting because the most successful people that engage with the book that reach out, they are like, I love it. Thank you so much. You condense the information. And then they end up coming on the show and talking about it. And they really enjoyed how they could sit down and read it in two or three hours and really have like some solid takeaways. We share experiences, so on, so on and so forth. But then the yeah. people who um, just constantly are consuming information in like bulk and uh, they or maybe that's not even the right way to describe them. But then there's another set of people who are like, you didn't go deep into anything and you need more details. And I need very specific steps to take. And so <laughs> I'm learning that there are two very different worlds. Yeah. Well, in some ways you can have two different books for that as well. Cause I mean, I agree. Like, I think it's nice to have kind of the higher level overview of this concise goes through it. Doesn't have, it has enough detail, but you know, it doesn't get, lost in the detail versus other books where it's all about just going really deep on some specific topic and getting, you know, into the weeds. Have you seen this book? I've Got heard it? of it. Yeah. I've heard of it. Amazing. It. She's friends with Sarah Sandberg. Um, oh, okay. And she runs, she ran teams of like thousand plus people at Google. She did like AdSense. She ran like AdSense teams. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she's, awesome. she's been bouncing around large internet companies for. I think Silicon Valley had a spoof on that. Uh, did they? This, this season. Yeah. This one one guy they're trying to hire, I think it's COO or something. He uh, was talking about radical candor, rad can. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I don't I, know if you watch Silicon Valley, but that show is brilliant. You know, Absolutely. it's it's the next up after Westworld. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah, yeah. Westworld's amazing too. Yeah, I'm like I'm like watching it at the same time, right? Because they come on, they both come on Sunday nights, you know. So it's it's a lot of TV to put down. See, I I. I don't watch a lot of TV. I think I watch like between an, like an hour a month. <laughs> an hour a month? Wow. Yeah, I want yeah. I want more of West, like pretty much in this year, I have seen like four episodes of Westworld and my wife dragged me to one movie and it's like oh. May. Also, <laughs> yeah. well, I fly a lot. So that's when I put down. I just like queue it up and then just put it down on the plane. There you go. So, that's yeah. that's the way to do it. I haven't yeah. been flying a lot this year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's just like internet's kind of spotty, especially like over the Atlantic or Pacific. Always yeah. spotty. Just like download them. And, yeah. You can't rely on go. What is it? Go, go. Go, go. Yeah. That's pretty unreliable. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. The, uh, it goes back and forth, but uh, I don't know. It's a nice way to pass the time on the plane. It so. is. And that's like good content. So I, don't know. I enjoy it. I do. Well, it's relevant. I like Silicon Valley because they like made a show that like we get their jokes. Yep. It's good. 
So uh, how do you, like, do you recommend books? And, oh, by the reason why I held this up, I'm not just like, it's not just show and tell day. But it's because the point you were making is after I, I read this book after I wrote my book. Okay. And she did what you were saying in the sense that she, basically the front half of it is like how I wrote my book, the style. And then the yeah. second half of it is actually like bullet point tactics. So Got you it. wouldn't like sit down and breezily read. It's like reference, you know. That makes sense. And I guess I get what you're saying there. Yeah. And I do think people do, you know, I've seen this type of type, uh, just even within VMware, just different folks and how they think differently. Right. Some people I can talk to in these kind of bigger abstract ideas, they kind of get it right. Cause they can kind of in their head, you know, draw that down to some specifics. Even if they don't have all the specifics right in front of them, they, they could go think through it and figure it out. <clears throat> Other people like to have it just much more cut and dry, like boom, boom, boom. Here's what we're going to go do. Not some sort of high-minded, and wavy stuff, right? And it's yeah. just, I think, different thinking styles. How has your thinking style changed from engineer to leader? Yeah, I mean, I think um, a few different things have changed. So one of the challenges I think I definitely have is maximize or like really utilizing delegation, right? Ooh, I just kind of like, I just kind of like, like to get stuff done. So I just like jump on something and just start doing it. And it's like <clears throat> one of those things where, um, Sometimes it just my, my natural occurrence, like if I, or my natural thought that if I see a problem, it's like let's go, I'll go fix it, let's go fix it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like hard to say, well, instead of me fixing it directly, how about I get someone else to fix it for X, Y, Z reasons? Maybe because you know we want them to grow in that area, or because I've got other stuff to do that's like more important, or you know what, whatever reason, right? That doesn't always occur to me. Usually, it's just like heads down, let's get it done. And so I think you know as I've grown, especially outside of an individual contributor role. It is like looking at that bigger picture and, and thinking about the people in it and kind of looking at those people uh, in terms of, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and how they can play in each of these different areas. So that's definitely a big thing for me that I'm still working on. I won't say that I'm great at it, but I think I'm we'll say better. you're perfect for the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you recommend, like you mentioned, you know, noticing people and their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. How do you get feedback? Is it is it through one-on-ones or do you recommend content and you see what they think about it? Like how do you sort of keep in touch with this person's growing in this area? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of one-on-ones. It's, it's talking uh, with other people that work with them. It's, you know, all the basic sort of data gathering type stuff. Um, you know, uh, I try to, the other thing I try to do is just be really open and um, I'm pretty like, generally speaking, even keel. I'm not like someone that like, rips into people or, or overreacts to things. And so I think that I try to create that sort of space for people to, to bring up things, even if they're, you know, not, uh, not easy. Kind of, I guess it kind of toward that radical candor type of. That's mentality. exactly Ra- We call it, it's called Radcan. <laughs> All Rad the cool Can. people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> too many, too many syllables. Otherwise you got to cut those things out. Is <laughs> <laughs> that sound like Elon Musk with the acronyms? No acronyms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are you really excited about right now that that you're working on? Like, what's getting you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, ton of stuff. There's a lot of a lot of really good stuff. So, like, if you look at my trajectory within the company, I, I you know started off in our sort of core area of uh, ESX, working on low level system stuff there. Expanded up into VMotion and storage VMotion. Uh, gone went out to performance management. Kind of went higher up the stack, basically. Is what I'm saying. Ended up with, you know, just more, most recently doing some uh, cloud native application container type focus areas. 
And now what I've done is actually gone back down to our core. So I, you know, I'm the CTO for our core our cloud platform business unit, which is really the core of, of the company, core compute virtualization and so forth. And so if you, know, if you look at the, the history of VMware, we've done a lot of innovation down there. And so now I'm really looking at, you know, how do we take it to the next level, right? We, we went out, we conquered virtualization, we went and did that. So what, what's the next big thing? And so not, I can't share anything publicly yet, but we've got yeah. a lot of really exciting things we're working on, you know, new sort of strategic directions that we're, that we're pursuing. Uh, a lot of like fundamental rethinking of our products from an architectural standpoint. You know, we've got, again, a lot of these products that have been around now 15 plus years so obviously have a lot of, you know, sort of baggage from that. So from a technical perspective, there's a lot of work to do to modernize that, to really get it where we want it to be for this next generation. And so it definitely feels to me like a bit of a renaissance here in the sense that we're really looking at kind of the second lap of the journey and um, some really, really exciting things. And I think the, old, the other thing I'll say is that I've also been really impressed with just the, the caliber of people that we have here. So we brought in both hired from internally and brought in externally some really, really strong folks. And so, you know, just yesterday, actually, we, we, we presented to um, some of the executives on what the strategy is and where we're going and got really good feedback. But, you know, we've kind of been working, you know, really consistently over the past few weeks on that uh, to kind of finalize it. So, so yeah, so that, that's been really exciting and um, kind of gotten high-level alignment. And so now it's like really getting into execution mode. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of really cool things are happening right now. Yeah, I was just out there a couple of weeks ago for RSA. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I noticed that there's a lot of these companies, like I think one was called like Bromium or something. There were two or three yeah. different companies and they're using VM for security and like containing individual like browsers. Yeah. What do you think? I don't, first of all, I don't know a whole lot about that, but like, mm -hmm. what do you, I thought it was really interesting how they were saying they have these things called micro VMs and then they wrap the mm -hmm. browser in a micro VM. And I was yep. like, uh, I, the, how do you share data? It was, it was interesting, but what do you think of VM as a whole for security? Oh yeah, well, so so first of all, yeah, I'm from, very familiar with a lot of companies such as Bromium. Uh, Bromium, one of the co-founders of that of that company was Simon Crosby, who was uh, one of the creators of Zen, uh, Zen Source back in the day, which was um, another virtualization platform. So so yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, virtualization, I think, in the, in the general industry mindset, kind of this bad rap as it's kind of old and kind of bloated technology, right? That you know, especially compared to containers, which are kind of small and fast and lightweight. Um, the reality is you know, very far from that. You know, all virtualization is now done on the hardware. It's extremely efficient, extremely lightweight. Um, I think where a lot of the a lot of the confusion stems is really the, the how VMs are managed today is in a very traditional sort of physical management sort of sense, whereas something like containers brings a lot more software automated uh, type approaches. So, you know, as I was saying before, kind of hint, or hinting at before, we're really looking to fundamentally um, rethink a lot of that experience. And so part of it is taking on some of these micro VM type concepts that are out there. In fact, we, we've had you know, stuff like that for a few years now, in a few different cases. But in terms of security, that's another huge area of interest for us. So uh, we just put out uh, a product or some, some in the last year or two, put out a product called App Defense which is very focused on security, uh, leveraging virtualization to do that um, and getting you know, those deeper insights. So look, I think you know, virtualization as a runtime technology, super, super interesting, and it provides a really strong, secure foundation. Uh, but by itself, it's not enough. And so what we're doing is you know, deeply integrating with a lot of the container runtimes and doing really innovative things about how containers, you, know, you can 
manage the container, but the runtime is still a super lightweight VM under the covers. We do that all very transparently. And so it's like we're looking at how can we take this, this core VM construct but find new use cases and new consumption surfaces uh, for, for users. Yeah, there was this interesting one. Um, I think they were called like Isolate, and they were in like the startup alley. It was like just a couple people. Okay. But they did you see them? Did you go, by the way? No, I, okay. I, I think um, I can't remember where it was. I was traveling somewhere else, so yeah. didn't get out there. So they they did this thing where they had like you boot up three VMs and like one's a public VM and one's a private VM. Okay. And like, yeah. have you seen have you seen that concept before? Um, I mean, broadly, yeah, I've seen different, different sort of models, but yeah. I'm not surprised, right? Again, again, I think VMs, the VM is a very versatile technology. And, you know, historically it was all about you know, the VM for the VM's sake. It was all about, you know, the it was the end as well as the means. Yeah. And now I think what we're seeing is that the VM is becoming the means, but having different ends, right? Security or, you know, containers, cloud native applications. For, for um, me, it was like, my experience, I got into a lot of the business logic of applications, so that's where my focus has been in the past 15 years. But mm-hmm. when I was, you know, between the ages of eight and like 13, 14, before I got really heavily into business logic, uh, I was hanging around, just poking around all the different corners of the technology. And in my um, need for running multiple operating systems, and I found that's how VMs were to me. Like yeah, a V, it's totally. usually whatever V. Like if you hear a new term, your first experience with that term, it typically will stick with you, right? Yeah. So when yeah. I needed to run Mac and Windows together, and they, it was like, oh, you need a VM, or if you wanted to run other instances of Windows, you could boot something up and like run yeah. some code in there. You would use it for that. It's like I think it was like VirtualBox or something. That's an old one, right? Yeah, VirtualBox <laughs> is still out there. Yeah. 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 So that that's to me, that was my extent. And then when I go to the security conference, it's like containers, VMs, containers, VMs, like everywhere. Yeah. And it's like micro VMs. I'm like, ah, you got yeah. marketing people. <laughs> no, yeah. You got a committee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think, I think what we've seen, uh, so certainly you know, VMware started on the personal desktop side with that same sort of run Windows on Linux or whatever type of use case. And oh, that's that- how it got started? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, VMware Workstation was our first product, um, and uh, but you know, I think the founders of VMware always knew they wanted to go to the data center to enterprise customers. They they proved out the technology on you know PCs first, and then went out there. But what we've seen and what VMware's been able to do in the data center is really uh, drive a standardization around virtualization, just because of there's so many benefits in terms of management and all those other things, right? So that's why now I think. A lot of the folks in the industry, a lot of folks there in the RSA are looking, okay, how do you take this kind of primitive that's out there and actually build on that, add even more value into it? So there's still a lot of interest in, yeah, people evolving the technology, the micro VM or nano VM or whatever type of adjective you want to use. Yeah. So so does VMware have, like, I'm not fully immersed in the culture, but do they have, like, open technology in the sense that, like, you can... Ha- like build stuff with it and you can build upon it and think like, Oh, do you have any open projects that people play with? Yeah. So it's definitely over the past few years has been a much bigger um, area of interest for us. So, you know, we are putting, especially uh, in terms of containers and cloud native, putting some stuff out in the open source, some of our, you know, some of our products now, um, vSphere integrated containers, for instance, that's all open source. Um, we've done a lot better job recently in terms of APIs as well. So if 
folks want to use APIs as much, it's much easier to consume them now with like REST-based and so forth, more language bindings than we've had traditionally. So yeah, so this is definitely an area I would say a few years ago, we, we were behind, but we put a lot of effort into um, getting more, more relevance there. So one of the questions from, so we, I tell people when we have guests and we have, yeah. we have 70,000 active listeners and many of them are CTOs. And if they're not CTOs, they want to become technology leaders in some capacity. And yeah. one of the questions I got for you was, what is the difference between a virtual machine and a container? <laughs> sure. So there's a number of different ways of answering that. And so a virtual machine is basically an abstraction of a physical machine hardware, right? So we're abstracting the CPU, memory disk, network, et cetera. So we have virtual devices and so forth that, that we go and create. A container, on the other hand, is really an abstraction within an operating system. And so when you think about a container, it's like, so what does an operating system have? It's processes, users, file system, you know, these sorts of things. And a container basically abstracts those. So you can have, so like with a virtual machine, you can have many VMs on one physical host. Conceptually, it's similar with a container. You can have multiple containers on one operating system, right? Now, so both of them are, are conceptually similar in that they're both kind of ways of abstracting, some, you know, either machine, uh, physical hardware or an operating system, and then, you know, having multiple instances on, you know, sharing that, that uh, on, on top of that uh, system. So that's the basic difference. Um, there's so much detail we can go into it, but I, I think that... Um, That's what smart companies do that last in the market. They see what's going on with the market and then they support the up and coming technologies and find a way to exist with them and help them and support. You, yeah. you can't say no to the market. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we're not, yeah, we're, I mean, we're not dogmatic. We think that, um, you know, there's all these different technologies out there and we need to help customers manage across those. Like you don't just have containers, you don't just have VMs, you have both. And so how do you, you know, manage across both those things. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, and I think it's one of those things where I actually like, I love all the innovation that's happening in the container space. It's a lot of really, really good stuff. And so I want to take advantage of that and help our customers to embrace that, not just for container workloads, but even for their virtualized workloads as well. So a lot of, again, a lot of really interesting stuff we're working on. No, I, I really respect you as a leader, the way you describe that and how you're working. I didn't, I didn't even know that that was like a thing that people thought what you mentioned, but yeah. I love what I like there's that undercurrent out there. I hear it come exactly. up from time to time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good to address yeah. it and talk about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I think it makes sense. I mean, there's and plus a lot of the container companies use that as competitive positioning. So, like, oh, you know, VMware's against containers, but they kind of just make that stuff. Oh, up. Sa sales and marketing. It sounds good to say, you know. Yeah. So, is <laughs> yeah. this is this your office that you're in right now? I am. Yeah. It's uh, you got some. Kinda, 
kind of bright out, so I had to close the shades. No, it's there. beautiful. Is it? Yeah. Uh, so you've got some children. I do. Yeah, I don't know where. What you can see back I don't there. see your children. I I see their uh, their drawings. <laughs> yeah, that's good. The kids aren't here today at the office. So yeah. Now I got two kids, uh, ages seven and four. Ooh. Actually, almost five now. Uh, Boys, girls. Yeah, girl, boy. Girl, older. boy. Yeah. Who's older? The girl. The girl's older. My yeah. first child's a girl. She's eight months old. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, I'm. I'm like, the, just. I'm in that stage where I'm counting giggles. No. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. just. Oh, it's 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 a. It's like the, you know. Here's a good question for you: When you were watching your child develop, like. Did you feel that they're just like this little organic machine learning algorithm learning? Because they just have this like brute force way of learning. And there is, yeah. yeah. It's pretty incredible uh, how much. So I've noticed a few things. So, first of all, um, you're right. I mean, they're absolute sponges in terms of just picking up information. And they, they pick up even more than you realize you're giving off. You know what I mean? So, like all these little mannerisms, how you react to things, how you respond, the exact words and phrases you use. And it's just like, you hear it coming back. You're like, whoa, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, that's interesting. So, it's, you know, the thing I found is that they're really in, uh, very insightful mirrors, you know, into yourself, into like, you know, who you are and how you behave in the world. And, um, and so, yeah, it caused me to think like, huh, maybe I should, you know, um, try to work on how I react in these situations because it kind of, you know, they, they, they kind of react similarly. So it's been great. I've, you know, uh, it's been awesome. Being a parent's an awesome experience. I've I learned it. a lot about myself and the uh, during the whole process, right? Just kind of you know how you react to things and 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 seeing that in the kids. And so you get to bring them to work. So my youngest memories are like the smell of solder because my father's an electrical engineer. Like he would make yeah. program microchips, and he actually um, it was in the early or mid '90s. And they developed these screens that went inside golf carts, right? And back then you had like manuals and you ordered chips from manufacturers. The like the internet yeah. was not like a great resource. So it was just like they would uh, be constantly soldering. It's like that smell and that whole thing was like <laughs> my childhood. He would bring that's me to work wild. with him. Yeah, that's okay. that's how I got into programming because I would sit in the cubicles on the weekend. So I have siblings and my mom would say, I can only deal with two kids. You take the nerd one to the office with you. And he would sit me in a cubicle, there'd be stacks of books, and he would say, you know, do something. And and then he would give me like a little task and I was writing these little programs and it was a lot of fun. Oh. Yeah, and then um, I just didn't stop there. Like I just, yeah. it was very, you you get it. You like, you write some code and you're like, what? What else can I do? And then it's like yeah. 30 years later and you're like, wow, look what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So, so you bring your kids to the office, and they get to be around what you're doing. Yeah, occasionally. I mean, not not too often, because I I actually live up in San Francisco, so it's a bit of a hike to get down here to Palo Alto. But, well, how uh, how far is it? Like forty an hour? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like 35, 40 miles, something like that. I mean, the time it takes depends highly on when you go, just because like traffic can be insane during yeah. rush hour. Um, but I, uh, most days I actually try to take the, so there's a train called the Caltrain yeah. that runs up down the peninsula. So that was nice. So you can bring your bike on it. I could work on it. Ooh, like, really? So you can ride your bike to the train. And yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's, oh, a, yeah. that's very Einstein of you. Like <laughs> he'd ride his bike to the, to the college. Dude, I, now I will say one of the, like, one of the things I do do, so I'm pretty rigorous about uh, scheduling, right? So, I, um, and like, maintaining my schedule. So every day I block off, I try to get like 30 minutes, more like an hour a day. Some days when it's like, 
the calendar is not that busy, which is very rare. I'll get like an hour and a half to go to the gym and just like go for yes. runs, work out. I feel like I, I just found, especially for running, it's just my mind goes blank. I kind of you know think all sorts of random process events of the day. And I've had a lot of good insights um, while doing that, you know? So like for me, like exercise is super important to the overall, you know, balance of, of work. It is a requirement for me. I used to yeah. be 300 pounds. Yeah. I used to be really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used really? to be really big. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like pretty strong now. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and so I've, when I started working out, it's like a superpower. Like your body releases, can't, you, the, the thought, my thoughts are better. I solve problems by accident. Like I get better ideas and it's just, it's, it's really, there's so many benefits to get, getting your blood, like just pumping and doing that even for 15 minutes a day just to do it just to get that up is like it's just incredibly beneficial yeah i agree yeah so that's what's nice about you know the biking it's like not that far it's maybe like two or three miles on each side of the train both in the city and then down here um Mm -hmm. so it's maybe like 10-ish miles a day round trip it's not, not that much biking but you know it's like little 10 or 15 minute spurts um, to your point, I mean, really helped just to get the blood flowing, get the mind going a bit. Yeah. So I find it to be hu- hugely useful. So do you hang out? I'm, I'm respecting your time because now it's 2.45. We're going to stick to that schedule. <laughs> yeah, no worries. We can go a few minutes over. I always get lost like with the time because it's just so awesome to talk to other technologists. Yeah, yeah. totally. No, okay. I get it. <laughs> so advice you would give yourself 10 years ago. Mm. So you only get like you only get like one small piece of advice. Like it has yeah, to be like a little condensed piece of advice. Um, that's a good question. What, what would I tell myself ten years ago? Let me, let me throw out a couple of things. We'll see which one is the best one. Which one sounds the best? Yeah. Yeah, we'll choose one. That's um, see, I watched the thing. I looked at it. See, all the all the notifications. Get I that can't. Pavlov one, dude. I know. Uh, <laughs> um. So interestingly, interestingly, I think one of the things that I would tell myself is that, um, you know, so I guess, yeah, well, the thing I would tell myself is that, you know, take your time with new markets. I think oftentimes, you know, I'll give the example of the cloud native space, the container space. Uh, As I said, you know, I've been involved in that for a while. When it first came out, I was really worried um, that, you know, VMware wasn't going to be able to adapt quickly enough uh, to embrace all these container technologies. And that there might be some, um, you know, threats of workloads moving off our platform, and uh, and so I, I was like really dropping the hammer down, trying to get stuff done, and ended up, um, you know, we, we moved really fast. We we're kind of sloppy in some ways. Didn't make great decisions. You know, didn't give things enough time thinking through them from an execution standpoint sometimes. But when I look back, you know, and looking where we are today, I'm like, wow, well, we actually had more time than I thought. <laughs> and so I think. I think there, there is that you want to go fast but at the same time you want to go at a cadence that's sustainable and that you're able to you know ma- really make the right decision you're making rushed decisions too often like it's, you're just gonna make the wrong decisions too often right and yeah. you're gonna burn out other sorts of things so i think you know there's that kind of like um take your time patience yeah that's one that i'm always learning yeah. like every time i've made progress with patience there's more progress to be made so true. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a less is more thing almost. It really is. Yeah. I think, I think you can get in these like frenetic modes where you just kind of like go, 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 go. And, it, and then you, you stop thinking is the problem. You're, and like, and the, you create, there's a lot of things that happen, right? You take shortcuts, you create technical debt. There's a lot of that stuff. And sometimes look, I mean, I'm not, 
I'm not against, uh, you know, hacking things out when necessary, but like, if there's a good, if you've thought through that trade-off and said, yeah, the time to market really is worth creating this debt. You know, I look at something like, something like technical debt, for instance, if you go into that one, it's an interesting term debt. Usually people think about debt as something to pay off, right? That like, oh, I, I you know, took this shortcut and now I got to pay it off. But what they, they're forgetting about oftentimes is that, you know, if you think about debt from a financial standpoint, sometimes it makes sense to go into debt because it allows you to accelerate your plans, right? You get more money now and you actually have to pay it off later, but it's, it's, a, it's a hedged risk in the sense that like, it's maybe not hedged, but an informed risk in the yeah. sense you say, okay, actually it's worthwhile for me to take on this debt because I'll get somewhere for faster. And it's, and a, I, it's worth the interest. I can read, yeah, I can read the rewards and pay back that debt. And so it's similar from a technology perspective. You know, it's a debt that you consciously take on because you you know you want to go faster, and it's a conscious decision. So, like, I'm not against technical debt when it's a conscious, thought through, you know, balanced decision. I'm against it if it's just like you're just going crazy and just doing it because you think you have to, not because you really thought through it, or right? you're unaware of it. Yeah, yeah, or you're unaware of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the other way. So, a, a similar thing is this concept of throwaway code. People always complain about throwaway, especially engineers. Like, oh, I don't want to do that because it's throwaway code. And I'm like, well, if you take a, if you, if you take a long enough time horizon, Everything. all code is throwaway code, right? It all is going to be stopped being used at some point in the future. The question is how long? And, and, and so when you start looking at that from that time frame, you're like, okay, what is the code buying me and for how long? Ooh. You know, again, going back to the financial metaphor. And so maybe the case that, look, you know, um, uh, yeah, the code won't be around for very long, but you get a whole lot of value out of it or if something does something very important to you. The other thing I think about is like when construction crews are working on roads, you know, very often, or, or it's not very often, they will completely dismantle the road. Usually they create like a new road around the place where they're working, right? So there's like this kind of side off uh, part that goes off of the road. They kind of pave that. And now you can kind of, you know, the cars They'll actually flowing. build a temporary road to rip yeah. up a road and replace it. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I think about throwaway code. It's like, you want the cars to keep flowing or not. And maybe it's okay for the cars to stop flowing, but there's probably some big cost to that um, that you're not really thinking through. And that throwaway code actually allows things to keep moving. And yes, it is extra work, but there's a lot of benefits to it. So again, it's, it's like you really got to think through the, those sorts of trade-offs. Yeah, I sometimes look at life like, like, a, like a game. I have these abilities, like these... I have a menu of options available to me and I'm in a situation. I've got different levels of experience with each option, right? It's yeah. like, which one am I going to apply? Sometimes acquiring technical debt is an option that you, that you leverage, that you yeah. use. Yeah. yeah. You can't look at it as pure negative negativeness, right? Like it's, it's, it's uh, it can be a very useful thing when deployed properly. Yeah. I like so, that. I like so, that. That was a well, well, that was a good perspective of technical debt because that is one where you get the diehards of the technical debt that really take yeah. it like concrete, like zero technical debt. And, and it's just unacceptable. And, and then it's like, whenever I feel myself with that rigidity creeping in, especially as I get through my thirties, I, I say to myself, I don't want old man syndrome. I don't want yelling at the front yard. <laughs> what am I not seeing yeah. here if I feel yeah. that pull towards rigidity? So yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's just being able to handle like a little bit of that messiness. I mean, I think the other thing you got to be able to do though, is on the backside of that, after you've uh, incurred the debt is to be able to put up the resources to get rid of it, right. To fix it. And a lot of times we don't do that. We don't follow through. So that's the other challenge. So then some people are, are afraid of getting into technical debt because like people never fix it or rarely fix it. So now do you think sometimes the people with the throwaway code that the root is like what, if they, 
there's the way you see something in the plan you're putting together and yeah. your ability to communicate that is critical as a leader. So if they see it as throwaway code, it might not be for the concept of like the fact that it's throwaway code, but more like the feeling that what they're doing is useless. Yeah. And so then addressing that human need, like you do that. Uh, yeah. So no, I, I've heard, I hear a lot of those concerns as well. So I think what I try to do is paint a bigger picture. Um, yes. So what we try, CTO, right? That's yeah. You do. Do you you got to do the Simon Sinek why. You got to explain yeah, why you're doing exactly. it so that they feel yeah. like what they're doing is is useful. Well, it's also showing a progression. It's like, look, I think people are okay with, with that sort of throwaway work if they understand how it fits in the bigger picture and they see how the ball is being moved forward by virtue of the work that they're doing. Is you know, it's a lot of this also transition from think like waterfall style thinking to more agile style thinking mm-hmm. um, or lean, if you will. And so in a waterfall model, yeah. <laughs> a waterfall model, if you're building a car, like you know, you build the frame and like uh, eventually put on some wheels and you know, paint it, put on glass and make a door and all that sort of stuff. But very like, you know, kind of you have this whole complete car you want to do and then kind of just, you know, fill in all the pieces and eventually the thing works. And it's nice because there's no throwaway code. Like everything you do is, will, will be used for that longer term purpose. The challenge is that the cart is not actually usable until the very end, right? Unlike a lean or agile type of model where you're not building a car, you're building transportation. That's the value you're delivering. And so maybe it's like a skateboard that you deliver first or a scooter or something. It's not very useful. It's human powered. And eventually you put a motor on it. And eventually like it becomes a bicycle with a bigger motor. Each time you're like throwing away a lot of stuff, but you know, you're re, you know, throwing away code, maybe you're reusing ideas or some of these things. And so, but if you can paint that picture saying, look, we're, we're getting to a car, but we're not doing a waterfall model. We're doing it this much different model. We had to prove out each of these steps. And yes, some stuff will be throwaway. Some stuff may not be. But this is the reason we're doing it is because we can get to market much quicker with a kind of MVP. Yeah. Eventually, you know, scale up to some something better. No, that's interesting. I like I like that you mentioned that we um, you know, we've been having the show and everybody on, and that's a reoccurring theme, right? The MVP, Eric Rees, like get something out that brings the value because everyone has a different MVP in their head. Yeah. And right, so you got to really be specific about what you're talking about. But what we did was about 16, 17 days ago, we had these recurring episodes where all the CTOs were going from like 30 to 100 people. They were experiencing some growth. And so they all kept saying, oh, we had this problem with figuring out leaders and and growing our leaders as we're scaling rapidly. And so because those came up successively, I said, well, you know, why don't we as the show like try to solve it and we'll use the all the methods that all of our guests talk about and that we all you know, say yeah. the best method. So we do a daily video blog. We started it. And then yesterday was the first, we came up with this whole concept, this whole plan, everything. And yesterday was the first day we took it to the market within on day like 16 to ask the market if, if it's valuable, but not just valuable, valuable enough for them to become customers today. Right. right. Like when all we have right. is this basic MVP and we got to, we got our, the first two meetings we had, we got the two customers. Nice. So we're like, I don't care about the money. I care about the fact that like we oh, we did something that um, we did it the right way, the way we've been talking about, right? And then yep. we also documented it daily. So yeah, yeah and, and now we have like 16 meetings set up over the next two weeks. So yep. we might like have accidentally brought value to the market. <laughs> accidentally brought value. Yeah, yeah we accidentally yeah, did it. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I think that's great, you know, and, and that's how you prove it out. And, it's, and you're right. Like, 
you don't care about the money, but the money is useful forcing function to separate interests from like really wanting something. Because the customers can be interested in any type of like interest is kind of one of the worst things you want because people are interested, but they don't really care. So yeah. how do you actually separate out the people who are just interested kind of window shopping, if you will, from people who are actually like, okay, I need help here. I need to like do something. Yeah, well, I figured it's like when you give a talk, you have the, the audience to so say you have a thousand people, there's going to be like a hundred people that believe like what you're yeah. talking about that, that like really are like, I believe in this. I believe in what this individual is saying. Then there's going to be everyone else, right? And whatever their thing may be. So my goal was, you know, let's find people that believe. And if there's enough people that believe early enough, then then that's what the trend will be as we enter the market. Because if you can't get someone to believe early, then you build the whole product. No one's going to believe it then. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think the, the lean ideas are amazing. I think it's, yeah, yeah I've read, you know, the lean startup. I have not read his most recent book uh, yet, but um, definitely on the, on the to-do list there. Yeah. I'll send you some stuff. So what, what, what the thing is, is we actually take little um, like, so like there's 12 lessons in here or whatever, maybe 15. So we'll just take one and make like a three minute video about it. And then you, uh, they deploy out to, their their team and then their team can actually like it has a little lesson in it so they reflect real quick it's a 10 minute experience and then uh the ctos can see what their people like who's hungry to be a leader because the people that don't want it won't touch it right it'll just be like ignore it but the people who want more they'll be like oh this is cool and they'll like learn and watch the video and then like share their experience and and the reflection and then they can see that they're like working towards it and so that was the idea the 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 shortest value was to identify leaders in their organization and because they all kept saying they had that problem and then we did it and then people are like yeah so that was um i was a cool it's a cool week for me yeah that's awesome congratulations yeah and then we're going hiking in the mountains this this week too we're going up to north carolina oh nice yeah whereabouts are you based we are in florida Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we're doing cool. um, like a 10 hour drive. <laughs> you see, it, it, it doesn't make enough sense because like if we tried to fly, you can only fly into Atlanta and then it's like a six hour drive into the mountains. Yeah. But then I'm like, it's it's the same amount of time, travel time. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have the little babies. So I just figured it'd be way easier if we just drive. But yeah, we're going to go hiking. And I got a, I got a drone. So I'm going to get like some mountain shots. <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. You like hiking? Nice. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. And I'm going to send you some mountain shots. Dude, San Francisco, like the whole Bay area is just beautiful for, I do, I do a lot of trail running as well. Oh, you do? Yeah. Nice. Love running around uh, the Bay area, even here down in Silicon Valley. There we go. There you go. I I wear like a nice, you know, shirt and jeans, like nice jeans (laughs) and fun socks. And then I wear my running shoes because they're like the most comfortable things ever. Yeah. 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 And you can always, you're always ready to go for a run. Always always ready. Yeah. (laughs) I think I got to find some of the shoes that are like look really sharp, but then they're also comfortable. When when you find sharp looking shoes, like professionals yeah. that are also comfortable that aren't twelve thousand dollars, let me know. Yeah, it's, a tough, it's a tough find. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kit. Man, this has yeah. been a fantastic. I really like you. When I'm out there, I'm gonna stop by and get a high five and say hello. Sure, that'd be great, dude. Yeah, let's keep in touch. For sure, because I'm gonna be. Out, I think I'm gonna be out there in like three months. Because this, you know, mm-hmm. this month we're having you, Microsoft. Intel and who's the other one, Jackie? There's one more. I think like Google or Snapchat. T-Mobile. 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 They just got bought by somebody. Sprint or they merged. <laughs> yeah, they're mer- while well, they're trying to merge with Sprint. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get the insight from their CTO next week. <laughs> oh, cool. I don't know what they can say since it's an ongoing thing, but it would. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, do you read this uh, blog called Stratechery? 
You're the second person. Yeah, You're the second person to recommend this to me. Got Ben Thompson. He's really good. It's really good. So he's got a whole like rundown of that and uh, the implications of it. It's worth. It's like a hundred bucks a year, but it's it's really good content. Sure, techery. Yeah, that's uh. Now I will check it out when things come up enough. I I check them yeah. out. He's an author yeah. too, right? I don't know what else he's done. Uh, I don't know much about the guy actually. I've just yeah. heard a bunch of friends mention that it's like really good, so I signed up for it and and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's like a daily thing. Oh, it's a daily thing. He's got like a short one or a shorter one daily. They're still pretty be still pretty meaty, and then he's got like a longer one once a week as well. So, do you follow that CB Insights dude? Uh, which this is a guy named Nod or something. It's got a company called CB Insights, but he his the way the tone of his emails are like really in, like fun and playful. But they okay. track like how money flows between organizations, like where uh, like what sectors got the most money and. They, they track a lot of information who's investing in what and why and he okay. writes it in like a fun style but yeah nice. yeah i haven't heard of it but yeah it sounds interesting yeah very cool thank cool. you so much man i really appreciate all yeah. the time thanks joel yeah uh let me know whenever you're in town yeah i will i'm gonna send you some drone video like next week after we get because i uh, mean that the mountain it's gonna be cinematic you know it yeah. like it's gonna yeah, be yeah, yeah. oh i'm so excited <laughs> all right have a great day man take care yeah Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.